Hello, everybody. This is a wonderful day because I get to kick off our Christmas series, Who. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John. I am one of the ministers here, and I'm excited about this series. Uh, we're calling it Who, and here's why. Uh, because when it comes to Christmas, we do a lot of asking the question, what, right? Like, what presents am I going to get? What presents am I going to give? What are we going to fix to eat, right? We do a lot of asking of the question, when, right? When is everyone going to get here? When is everyone going to leave, right? We ask that question, when. Uh, but the question, the question is who? Uh, who is this season all about? That is really the question. I'm going to get into that series here in just a minute, but before I do that, I need to talk just a little bit about last week. Last week was really, really incredible. If you were here, then you may remember, Ethan, when he started off his message last week, he said, y'all, you are going to remember this week more than you remember the week before when we were at Freedom Hall. And when he said that, I was like, eh, are you sure? Because Freedom Hall was awesome, right? Freedom Hall was amazing. Yes, it got a woo right there. So it was really, really good. But last week was even better. It was just such an incredible time. It was Compassion Sunday. Um, let, me, uh, let me talk to you. Actually, I can't go into all the details of Compassion Sunday. If you want to find out more about Compassion Sunday, uh, if you weren't able to be a part of it, head over to our YouTube channel and you can find Compassion Sunday. It's one of the first videos that pops up and watch it. Um, I can't go into everything, uh, but what I can tell you is this. At the end of the service, we all got an opportunity to sponsor children with Compassion International. Now, let me tell you a little bit about these kids. Uh, the first 50 that they sort of had available for us to, to sponsor, they were in the immediate vicinity around a church in Ecuador that we have sponsored through the organization, a church planting organization uh, called Stadia. Well, we sponsored those children so quickly they had to find more. And so they found there were 50 more kind of in that, in that same sort of area. And even that was not enough for you guys. Um, and so you kept sponsoring and you kept sponsoring. And at last count that I heard, uh, we have sponsored 232 children in Ecuador around this church plant. Isn't that awesome? So cool. Yeah, that deserves a woo too, right? Absolutely. Um, really, really neat work that is happening uh, there in Ecuador. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to participate in it, uh, don't worry. For the next two weeks, we're going to have some kiosks set up right outside of the worship center. So as you leave out the doors out the back, right across the hallway, there's a kiosk there. Uh, you can have an opportunity uh, to change a life. 38 bucks a month. It's an incredible organization. They're doing amazing work. And, and like I said, um, it started with a church plant uh, that we are also supporting through Stadia. That church plant launched a couple of weeks ago. And all Already they have baptized 10 people in that church. I'm sorry, a couple of months ago. And already they've baptized 10 people. So amazing work going on. If you're joining us online, uh, then we'd love for you to participate as well. There should be a link in the chat where you have the opportunity uh, to find out more about Compassion International. It's a great, great thing that we have been able to be a part of. And we're excited about the work uh, that Jesus is doing in Ecuador. And now we get to go from Freedom Hall to Compassion Sunday, to now kicking off Christmas, which I know is a huge thing for lots of people as well. Um, so that's an exciting thing. Um, it, it, I'm going to kick off the series today 
And then at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, many of us are gathering here to decorate the interior of the church. And so if you're one of those people who just loves decorating for Christmas, come on out and join us. We'll have the coffee brewing by 9, by midday, noon or so. We're going to wrap up. We'd love to have you. And then when everybody else gets here next weekend, we're going to be all Christmased up here at First Christian. It is going to be a wonderful thing. Um, So it's been a fun few weeks. It's a fun time at First Christian right now. And let me tell you something about today. Today, as I kick off this series, you are going to get an opportunity. You're going to get an opportunity to participate in the Christmas season, maybe in a way like you've never participated in it before. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, you're probably getting tired of us hyping up the stuff that we're doing, right? We told you that Freedom Hall was going to be amazing, and then we told you that, that uh, Compassion Sunday was going to be this incredible way of starting off our next 150 years. And now I'm telling you that you're going to get the opportunity to participate in Christmas like you never have before. But here's the deal. We said Freedom Hall was going to be amazing, and what was it? Amazing. Woo. It was, it was then we told you Compassion Sunday was going to be incredible, and man... 232 children sponsored. It was incredible. So I'm not overhyping the opportunity that you are going to get today to participate in the Christmas season like never before. And it starts, it starts with a simple question. The question, who? Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Who? We are asking the question, who? And here's why. Because who matters? That's not a question. That's a statement. Who matters? And you all know that who matters, right? Every time your phone rings, who matters? Uh, Some of you may be too young to realize this, but uh, caller ID hasn't always existed on phones. I mean, like phones existed like 150 years without caller ID. It was like the late 80s before it became available. And most of us didn't get it in our homes or on our phones till like the 90s. And so back then, before caller ID, that phone rang and you were flying blind. Like you had no idea who was going to be on the other end of the line when you said hello. And I'll tell you something else about this. You see, I was in middle school in the late 80s, early 90s, and I could have saved myself so much embarrassment if I had had caller ID. Because every time I I would have seen that one of my mom's friends was calling, I would not have answered it. And here's why. Because as a middle school kid, I had a really high voice. I, my voice didn't start getting lower until I was like in high school. And so late 80s, phone rings, I pick it up and I go, hello. And if it was one of my mom's friends, uh, they would inevitably say, well, hello, Rebecca. <laughs> as a seventh grade boy, it is so humiliating to be called Rebecca, right? So I'd be like, no, this is John. But if I'd had caller ID, I would have found out who Because who matters? And that's what all of us do. Who matters when you're invited to a get-together, right? You're invited to a get-together, and what do you ask? Who's coming, right? And that makes a difference, right? It'll it'll make a difference in how long you think about the outfit you're going to wear. It'll, It'll make a difference in how long you spend getting your hair ready. Who really does matter? It makes a difference. And who matters at Christmas too? And that's a statement, not a question. Who matters at Christmas? If it were a question, it would be an easy question to answer, right? Like, let me me pose it as a question. Who matters at Christmas? Jesus, right? Maybe somebody, I think I heard somebody say Santa. No, that is incorrect. 
I'm, I'm assuming at some point today somebody's going to go, Santa, because they don't want to be caught, be the one who said Santa. Yeah, we all know. We all know the church answer. It's Jesus. But let's dig a little deeper. Like, who do you really think Jesus is? What was his purpose, his significance? What was the accomplishment? Because here's the thing. When we've determined who someone is, it impacts our behavior. When we look at the caller ID and we find out who we decide accept, decline, or maybe later. (laughs) When we're invited to the party and we find out, you fix your hair or you show up in sweatpants, right? (laughs) Because who matters and it impacts our behavior. Think about it like this. Who determines how? What I think about, how I feel about who determines how I respond. And that's what we're going to be wrestling with throughout this series this December. As we kick off the series today, I want to pose a couple of questions. And hopefully if we've done our job, then throughout the next few weeks, you have kind of wrestled with these questions the entire time, okay? The couple of questions are this. Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is? And how are you going to respond? Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is? And how are you going to respond? It will make a difference. Is the child born in Bethlehem one among many things that will be on your heart and mind? Or will he hold some sort of place of priority? Is this story that we celebrate just another story among the elves and the angels and the Griswolds and the Hallmarks? (laughs) Or... Is there something different? Is there something better about this one? And it all goes back to who? Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is? And how are you going to respond? We're going to start today by looking at a story from one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to it, you can scroll to it, get to John chapter 6. Now this is not a story that we commonly associate with Christmas, but I think it is a perfect way for us to kind of set up how we're going into this season. So John chapter 6, and I am going to start with verse 25. John chapter 6, verse 25. When they found him, that's Jesus, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus was super annoyed. It doesn't say that in your Bible, but believe me, it's true. (laughs) And here's why. Because the day before, Jesus had performed this really miraculous sign. 5,000, over 5,000 people were there and they were hungry and he took five loaves and two fish, and he fed them all with more to spare. And Jesus then had gotten onto a boat to sell off, to kind of go be by himself, to head to the other side of the lake. And he gets to the other side of the lake the next day, and all of the people are there, and they're acting like they didn't get the bread. So Jesus is a little bit annoyed. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill." Listen, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked, well, what would we got to do to get that? I mean, that sounds wonderful. Food that doesn't spoil and it'll, it'll keep, us, keep us satisfied through eternal life. What must we do to do the, the, the works that God requires? 
And Jesus said, the work of God is just this. Believe in the one he has sent. So the book was written by one of Jesus' friends, John. And John decided that he was going to arrange his book in a certain way and do some certain things throughout this book. And one of the things that John decided to do is he's going to have a series of what he calls signs. He says it over and over again throughout his gospel. Uh, Jesus performed this miraculous sign, or the people got to see this miraculous sign, or the people didn't understand that it was a sign. So we need to talk just a little bit about the idea of signs. What you guys know about signs is that signs point to something, right? Signs are not the thing in and of themselves. When you're going to the beach, right, you you don't like see the sign that says how much further you've got to the coast and like pull off the interstate and you're like, hey, everybody, 127 miles to the coast. Let's all take a picture, right? The sign is incredible. You don't do that because the sign is not the thing. The sign merely points to the thing, But here's what's going on in this story that we're reading today. Jesus had been going about performing miraculous signs. And his purpose was to point them to his true identity. So that they would want and yearn for him more. But the people did not see the signs as signs. They saw the signs as the spectacle. The signs weren't a sign pointing to something. To them, the signs, well, they were the thing. And what Jesus tells them in a nutshell is this. You're not coming to me because the sign convinced you of my true identity. You just want more tricks. You just want a greater spectacle. Remember, Jesus had just performed this miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And so he talks about food that'll spoil. He says to them, listen. I know the bread was, that was a neat thing, but that bread's going to get moldy. The fish are going to go rotten. You don't need more fish. (laughs) You need more me. You don't need another spectacle. You need a savior. I know some of you might be thinking, right? (laughs) You might be thinking, okay, but what this got to do with Christmas? Let's talk about baby Jesus. I don't know. We're going to get to baby Jesus. But right now we're going to listen to big Jesus because he's going to help us prepare for that story. And this right up here, this is the takeaway that I want you to take into your Christmas season. Don't let the spectacle of Christmas rob you of a special season with your Savior. Don't let the spectacle rob you of a special season with your Savior. The decorations, oh man, the decorations are wonderful, right? The Christmas carols, they're so much fun. The Christmas cards, I gotta be honest, I think the Christmas cards are a little bit of a nightmare and I think it's because I had kids. Because when you have kids, little ones, and you're trying to make the Christmas card, I can remember myself with my three-year-old being like, you smile for the camera or I promise I'm calling Santa and it's lumps of coal. Everybody, every Emmert, lumps of coal. The Christmas cards can be a bit of a nightmare. Every time I see a Christmas card with kids, I'm like, what did they have to do to get them to smile? But, but, but aside from the Christmas cards, everything else. It's awesome, right? Christmas is so much fun. The trees, the manger scenes, the food, the food. I'm like the people wanting more bread. If Jesus had multiplied buttered Sister Schubert's rolls, I would have been right there with them, right? I'd be like, man, Jesus, you're great, but those rolls, right? These things are what we get to do. They are not who we get to celebrate. 
And the point is, who? It's so easy for the spectacle of Christmas to replace our worship and our reflection, our true worship and true reflection on the life and the work of Jesus. And I encourage you, don't let the spectacle rob you of a season that can be really, really special. I think in this moment, Jesus was pretty clear. I, I think that he was making sense, except they didn't think so. He, they were still a little fuzzy to him. So, so the conversation goes on. Let's head back. John chapter 6. Let's go to verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us so that we can see it and believe you? I mean, I mean, what will you do? Which is so funny because he's like, were the loaves and the fish not enough, right? Was the walking on the water? I mean, that was pretty significant. But they're still asking, what, what sign will you do? And then they bring up a story that they all remembered from their past. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, listen, very truly I tell you, it wasn't Moses. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, that bread sounds delicious. <laughs> they basically continue to ask, always give us that bread. And then Jesus declares, it's me. It's me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So in their attempt to get more bread, they bring up this story of Moses and manna. Uh, just so we're all on the same page, uh, remember with me, uh, Moses was called to leave people out of Egyptian slavery. And as they wandered in the wilderness to go to the land that God had provided for them, God would provide this kind of flaky bread-like food for them. It, the scriptures tell us every morning the dew would dry and there covering the ground would be these flaky dots about the size of a popcorn kernel. And the scriptures also tell us that the, the, the dots tasted like wafers made with honey, which sounds pretty incredible, right? I mean, it's like God is providing Kellogg's Honey Smacks every morning for all of the people. So it's no wonder that they're bringing this up to Jesus. They're like, man, remember what Moses did, those little dots? That was good. Do that. That was great. Could you do that again? <laughs> and when you think about this, Something that we can kind of chuckle at is actually pretty sad. Because when I read this story, I can't help but notice, man, these people must be hungry. <laughs> and not just physically. Spiritually, these people must be starving. And what we know is that when you're really hungry, you'll settle, won't you? It's why they say don't go to the grocery store hungry because before you get through your list, your cart will be full of honey buns because <laughs> the stuff that's like worst for you looks so good when you're hungry, right? We see it relationally too, don't we? When someone is just aching for a deep and close relationship, they will often settle for a, for a shallow connection, and in time, they just find themselves even more hungry. And it's true spiritually. Like a thirsty sailor can be tempted to drink the salty water of the sea, our spiritual hunger can drive us to consume that which quickly fades 
leaving us still starving for true and deep, sustaining faith. And that's where these people were. They were having such a hard time understanding Jesus. They were so hungry, they confused the signs for the Savior. Here's another takeaway that I want to offer to you that you can take from this story into your Christmas season. Don't obsess over that which is fleeting when you can have he who is faithful. Don't obsess over that which is fleeting when you can have he who is faithful. Let's not love the Christmas carols more than we love the Christ. Let's not make more time for the party plans than we do the guest of honor. Don't get me wrong, these things, they're wonderful. Um, So was the manna. So was the bread and the fishes, but they're signs. They are fleeting, but Jesus is faithful. Jesus is constant. Jesus is satisfying. The baby of December the 25th, is the Lord of every day. Yes, the angels sang to the shepherds that night long ago, but people, they are singing perpetually of our Lord of the universe. Christmas is wonderful, but it is fleeting. It comes and it goes, and if your heart and energy are poured into the what, then you can miss the who, and you will be left hungry. The who of Christmas is not fleeting, Again, he is faithful, he is constant, he is satisfying. Come to think of it, (laughs) he's bread, to put it in his words. Let's talk a little bit about bread. I know in the past few years, bread has gotten a bad rap because of all the gluten and all the carbs, and I know we have things about bread that we don't do, right? But, But let's think about bread historically and what it has represented. You know, as a food, we know the picture that Jesus is painting. It's a it's a source of life. It is sustenance that they depended on every day. As a metaphor, even today, bread has come to be known as what? Money. We, we know bread is money because we see bread and money both as these basic necessities of life. As a saying, we've heard the saying, our bread and butter, right? Your bread and butter is, is what you know you can depend on to make a living. Or a sports team knows uh, that when nothing else is going right, they can go back to their bread and butter and make it work. It's something reliable. It's something dependable. So catch this, okay? I want to put this up on the screen. Bread has always been and continues to be an illustration of a source of life, a basic need, something reliable, something dependable. Is that who Jesus is for you? Is the Christ of Christmas not only an annual celebration, but also your daily source of life? Is the baby born in Bethlehem also the basic need that you hunger and thirst for and consume daily? Jesus doesn't want to be an occasional fix. He doesn't want to be just part of the annual Christmas story. He wants to be part of your daily life. I think if Jesus were looking around in our Christmas celebration, he'd love it. Jesus loved a good celebration. And I think he would point at the different things and he would say, hey, you see the lights on that house? I'm the light of the world. You see that tree that, that brightens up your family room? I'm the tree that can brighten up your life. You know those songs that you love to hear and they bring joy to your heart? I'm the song that can give you joy that can never be taken 
away. I'm the bread of life, true life. This is where I want to give you that opportunity to experience the season uh, in a way that maybe you never have before. Uh, remember when we asked the question of who, it discern, determines how we are to respond. And we've actually got this really neat thing, how we can respond together as a church this season. And when I talk to you about it, it's very practical. Uh, it, it's something that you can do so, so easily. Uh, our team has created uh, these little, uh, little ornament rings. And they have 25 different ornaments on them. And each one has a name of Jesus. I'll, I'll tell you about them here in just a second. But right now, just right off the bat, uh, let me give you just a little bit of a to-do list if you want to experience this season in a way maybe like you never have before. Here's the to-do list, okay? We want to pick up your names of Jesus ornament set. All right? We're having them out at a kiosk right outside of the worship center. Uh, we are asking for a, just a uh, suggested donation, but it's not necessary. If you don't have it, don't worry. Grab one. Pick up your names of Jesus ornament set. Uh, then we want you to buy, kind of on your own, locate a pack of ornament hooks. You probably have those laying around your house somewhere, uh, somewhere in last year's Christmas uh, or, uh, decorations, or head by Hobby Lobby or somewhere. Grab, grab a pack of hooks. And then each day, each day what you do is you read one of these, you take it off the ring, you put it on your hook and you place it on your tree or somewhere where you're gonna see it. And there's one for every day, December 1st through December 25th. Uh, they are cool. They have all these different names of, that Jesus was called, brother, Lord, cornerstone, I am, king of the Jews, bridegroom, I got to hand it to him. This is something that Ethan created, and it is so thoughtful. Um, there's a little scripture on there. There's a little uh, reflection that you can read. And what I want to encourage is for everybody to do this. You can sync it up with a rhythm that you already have in your life. So if you're the kind of person who wakes up early and gets a cup of coffee before things get started, well, then do it then. Sync it up with that rhythm. If you're the kind of person who likes to kind of go through the house and shut things down and get the house quiet, well, maybe sync it up with that rhythm and leave the tree on and head over to the tree and, and read one of those before you go to bed and, and hang it on the tree. Maybe you've got other people in your life that you'd like to share this with. Maybe you've got family, um, family or friends who you could do this with. Uh, it might not be possible for you all to get all on the same schedule or be in the same place, but get multiple sets and give them to family and friends so that you can all be doing this throughout the season. Because here's what I can promise. I know that it may have seemed like I've, I've been a little hard on Christmas traditions uh, today. That's not the point. I hope that's not the takeaway. I love the Christmas traditions. We, we put our tree up yesterday. We went out to Founders Park and saw the tree lighting and the FCC choir. It was wonderful. The traditions are a wonderful thing, but as we said, they aren't the thing. They're the what. And we need to keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds fixed on the who. And what this tool can do is it can provide for you a way to learn and reflect a little more about Jesus every day during the season of Christmas. 
so that who Jesus is truly can become crystal clear to you. You know, maybe you're the, the type of person who, you know, you're prone to obsess about the spectacle, right? You love it. You can get into it. It, it might be tempting for it to rob you of your season with the Savior. Well, the answer for you to, when it comes to how to respond, it's to feast upon the Savior daily. And that's what this tool can do for you. Maybe you're the kind of person who knows uh, the church answer to the question, who? You know it's Jesus, but, but maybe it's not crystal clear to you who this person really was. And the answer for you when it comes to how to respond is the same. Feast upon Jesus daily. So this Christmas season, may Jesus be the bread, the bread of life. That is our source of life. That is a daily need. That is something that we can rely on and depend on and consume every single day. I want to end my time by leading us into the season of Advent. Um, Advent, uh, today is actually the first Sunday of Advent. It's, it, it's a season that is on the Christian calendar. And it's a word that simply means coming. It's a time when we get to reflect on, appropriately enough, who was coming at Christmas. Since as a church we're going to spend each day in December reflecting on the significance of the names of Jesus, I thought I'd open our season of Advent with a thought about names. I mentioned earlier today about Moses, right? Remember with me, Moses, he was called to lead the Egyptian people out of, I mean, the Jewish people out of Egyptian slavery. And as he's standing there at that burning bush, uh, one of the questions that Moses asks is, is who? <laughs> who, when they say to me, who sent you, who should I tell them? What name should I give? And the scriptures tell us that Moses was given the name Yahweh. But it's way, way more interesting than that. First of all, it's, it's, it's way more interesting um, because of actually just the, what it means. The word is said to mean I am, or some have said that it means I am that which I am, which is kind of confusing. If someone says, what's your name? And you say, I am what I am. It's a little mysterious, right? But it's even more mysterious because they weren't even sure how to pronounce it. It's written as four Hebrew letters that all kind of function as vowels in their alphabet. And many Jewish scholars believe that it sounded something like Weird, right? Kind of mysterious. They, they believed that maybe the name of God sounded like breathing. And they believed it so sacred they wouldn't even try to pronounce it. But God did not want to remain in mystery. And that's what we celebrate in Advent. Jesus comes to bring clarity into the mystery. While Moses knew God only as I am, Jesus many times completed the thought, I am light. I am life. I am the way. I am living water. 
So as we light the first candle of Advent, we remember that Jesus comes to make God known to us. To make known how deeply God loves us. To make known that God, though seemingly so lofty, so high up, so powerful, so mysterious, is actually right here with us. So please stand with me as we light the first candle in the season of Advent. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season that's ahead. We thank you for the moments like this that we have to remember that our source of life, our sustenance in this world, it's not the Christmas spectacle we get to participate in, but it's you. Thank you for wrapping yourself in flesh and dwelling among us in Jesus. Thank you for bringing clarity out of the mystery. It's my prayer for our church that as we go through this season, that we take the time to learn more and more who you are and what you have done for us. Through and in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.